What's going on, Raptors fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Ethos Raptors Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dan. We got a great episode for you guys today. So it's official. Your your Raptors will play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round here. And the first game is Saturday, this Saturday, April 16th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, I got my co-host back with me, also known as the uh, the K-Train. Kev, how's it going, man? What's going on, Dangerous Dan or Daddy Dan or Dangerous Daddy? <laughs> we're we're still we're we're still working on your nickname. We'll find one that works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought Daddy Dan was pretty funny, but I don't think it uh, suits basketball and uh, and podcast too well. But we'll uh, we'll figure that out soon. Yeah. So right off the top, guys, we just want to start with a couple corrections from last week's podcast. A few notes, just minor things that we said that. Uh, not quite accurate. First thing was mentioned, Scotty Barnes. I mentioned he was drafted sixth overall. Uh, actually, he was taken fourth by Toronto, uh, not sixth. And a couple of times, Masai Ujiri was mentioned as the GM, uh, but he is the team's president of basketball operations. Bobby Webster is, in fact, the GM. Yeah, sometimes you don't hear Bobby too much, right? Like, it's all about Masai because he was the GM in the past, and now he's the president and so on, but... Yeah, that's definitely a correction we want to uh, to bring up there. But but listen, let's uh, let's start off with talking about playoff history between these two squads because, like, boy, they've had some historical matchups, that's for sure. Yeah, for a franchise that's only been around, you know, almost 30 years at this point, I, I think it's fair to say with the limited playoff success they've had, the Raptors' most intense playoff moments have come against the 76ers. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So going back to, to 2001, which is over 20 years ago, which is pretty crazy to think about. But just remember when, when Vince Carter was the man in Toronto, fresh off the dunk contest, right? Allen Iverson, an absolute superstar. And these teams face off in the second round. And it did go to seven games as well. And we all know VC had a chance to win the game for us. But unfortunately, it, it clanged off the iron. And Philly did take the matchup and advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. But what's really kind of stuck out to me when I was remembering this matchup is, is this was definitely a pivotal moment in Raptors history because it kind of represented the beginning of the end of the Vince Carter era. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This game, if you remember, fans, was remembered as the quote-unquote graduation game. So Vince left uh, Philadelphia that day to go uh, to his graduation the University of North Carolina, and then flew back in time for the playoff matchup. He got a lot of heat for that at the time. And, you know, in retrospect, I don't think it would have made a difference if he, you know, in his making the shot or not making the shot. But as history tells it, he didn't make the shot, and a lot of people will point to that as the reason. And whether or not it actually was, I don't know if that's fair to Vince, but you're right. It kind of started the whole Vince downfall. Sure, yeah, and, and Vince, he, he does stand by his decision. Like, I remember he, he was saying that he got to accomplish two big things that day. One was obviously the graduation, and the other one was going deep into the playoffs. So I found it funny that he said going deep into the playoffs. I mean, second round is is some playoff success. Obviously, you won the first round there, but... I believe a lot of Raptors fans probably think otherwise, um, and I'm sure I'm sure you're one of them, Kev. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I mean, when I think back harder, I mean, he didn't play well. I mean, whether he could have made that last shot, you know, coin flip or not, but his stats from that game weren't great, which, you know, is probably why he was getting all that heat. 
Yeah, exactly. Like he actually played the full game. He played the full 48 minutes and he got 20 points, which was probably significantly, significantly under his point average, but he only shot 33%. So you have to wonder if his mind was, was elsewhere or maybe he didn't get too much sleep, but either way, we did have a chance to win and he had a decent look, but unfortunately things didn't go our way. Um, but yeah, shortly after that, he, he moved on to, uh, the New Jersey Nets at the time. And the different Raptors era started with Chris Bosch kind of taking over as the main player and so on. Um, but that kind of brings us up to the, to the next matchup with the, with the Sixers. It was almost redemption time in 2019. And I know everyone remembers the 2019 championship. I mean, I still get goosebumps when I think about it, but I think people forget how close we were to being eliminated in round two. Like yeah. again, it went to game seven and Philly had all the momentum in the final minutes. And it was 90-90 with 4.2 seconds left on the clock. And Marc Gasol, who was an absolute beast that round for us defensively, he was the one who inbounded the ball to Kawhi. And Kawhi turns the corner with both Simmons and Embiid on his tail. And he pulls up and he he throws up the shot. Now, Kev, I don't know if you remember this, but this shot, like, it hit the front of the rim. Like, it didn't look like it had a chance to go in when you look at the replay. It did. You know, what I remember most about Kawhi, his, his shot hit different. Like, it, it, if it was going to clang off the basket, it wasn't, it wasn't a clang. It was more of like a, a doink. And the ball doinked around three times, I think, stood there for a second. Everybody in the audience held their breath. And then it just dropped in and everybody lost their minds. Whether you're a Raptors fan or not, if you look back at this footage 30 years from now, you're going to remember that. And it, it's got to be, it's got to be up there in the, in the top playoff moments for any team of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, people remember it as the shot now, right? And mm-hmm. what, what stood out to me was like a, a normally emotionless Kawhi. He just let out a big roar of, of happiness. Like he was just, I've never seen him have so much expression, expression on his face in my life, which was fantastic to see. So obviously the Raptors pulled off the win there 92 to 90 and it was great to see. They went on to play Milwaukee and obviously they went on to win the championship that year. But like one thing that just can't be forgotten is if that game went to overtime, I think we would have been in trouble, man, because Philadelphia literally had all the momentum and, and we had a little bit of a lead and and they were catching up and we were just trying to hold on. So safe to say I'm I'm happy that game didn't go to OT. Yeah, thankfully it didn't because anything could have happened, right? Absolutely anything. So we got lucky and, you know, we were able to get past Milwaukee the next round and then uh, we had a bit of a bit of luck in the finals as well to beat Golden State. But you're right, that 76ers matchup really – you know, propelled us forward to our first and, you know, so far the franchise's only NBA championship. But, you know, we talked last week about the lack of success they had last year. Uh, yep. Well, they're back in the playoffs this year after the one-year absence. And I think it's safe to say the odds makers aren't giving them a ton of respect. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I just want to say something quick is, like, just the, the lack of respect. It's almost like the Raptors have seen it for since they've been a franchise and, a lot of people think that we're we're cursed in that sense that we we don't get the respect that we deserve. Maybe we're just biased as as Raptors fans and being the only team in the, in the North here. But yeah, just to see the betting odds again where they're at, it's the lack of respect kind of continues. Play-in tournament hasn't even started, so these are virgin playoff odds, if you will. But at plus four thousand, the Raptors, according to Vegas, are the least likely team to win the championship that isn't in the play-in qualifier. Besides the Chicago Bulls, I mean. 
The Bulls, though, you know, they limped into the playoffs. They lost 15 of their last 22 games. Guys, the Raptors actually won 15 of their last 22, including eight of the last 10. So for anyone out there who's not a sports better or doesn't understand how odds like that work, plus 4,000. That basically means if you bet $1 and the Raptors win the championship, you're going to win $40. Again, I don't know that I would necessarily pick the Raptors to go all the way, but just seeing that kind of makes me laugh. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, that's that's disrespect, like, easily. Like, we were completely rolling coming into the end of the regular season here, and you saw the team kind of come together as a whole as well, playing good team ball and obviously a couple players elevating their play, especially Siakam. Like, he has just been lights out since the NBA All-Star break, really trying to make a case for for all NBA, I'm sure. But, yeah, I, it was tough to see those odds. Absolutely, I, I agree with you there, Kev. Yeah, and the, the, the odds makers also have the Raptors at plus 160 to win the series. So, again, they're, they're favoring the 76ers at minus 180. So that means anybody that's betting on the 76ers is, is getting less money back than they're betting in the event that the 76ers win, just so anybody, again, who's not a sports better out there understands kind of what those numbers mean. So, I mean, I'll bet on the Raptors to win the series at plus 160. Like, I'll take, I'll take a flyer on that. Absolutely. That, that's great value. Like, I'll, I'll follow you, follow you on that bet. Like, that's, I'm more than excited to make that bet. I'll, I'll take that value any day, man. That's for sure. Yeah. I better, yeah. I better, uh, I better place that when we get off the air here before the odds makers realize what they did. Maybe they've been listening to Shaq. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe they missed the part where he retracted his statement, predicted that Philly's going to sweep them in four games. Again, another point to the, uh, to the disrespect that Toronto receives, but, I'm happy to see that Shaq did retract that statement, so at least he kind of came back to his senses there. Yeah, kind of like a scolded dog. It's like they talked to him in between the break and said, do you realize what you sound like? Like, Do you realize how good this team is? And that's the thing. Again, we're we're north of the border here. Every other team in the NBA, south of the border, um, you know, they don't know what's outside their own market, right? And that's a theme throughout Toronto sports I've found, but it's interesting to know uh you know the Raptors did go three and one against Philly this year and they yep. did so without some of their some of their best players I know Fred and OG missed uh, a few games I think Fred missed all but one of the games if I, if I'm not mistaken but it's um I mean they, they they've handled Philly well enough this year so let's dive into the the individual players and the player matchups and so on uh for this series so obviously when you when you look at Philly we'll start with Philadelphia here the first name that comes to mind is Joel Embiid. I mean, he's an absolute monster on the floor. He's a, a superstar in this league. Like we mentioned in the, the first pod there, he's he's up for the MVP this year, and he might even win it, and I think he probably deserves that as well. But, I mean, when you look at his regular season stats, I mean, first of all, he's the first center to lead in points per game since Shaq, which is unbelievable. Especially in today's I- NBA. That's huge. Exactly, exactly. So when you look at his stats across the board, I mean, he's averaging over 30 points a game, shooting 50% as well. His rebounds are close to 12 a game. He has 4.2 dimes a game, which is something that doesn't get talked about too much is his passing ability. And I think that'll be a big aspect to his his game in this series, because obviously we're going to throw all the double teams and maybe even triple teams at one point, at some points on Embiid, right? So I think that that stat is going to be important for him and you're probably going to see his assists go up north of five if Philly happens to have success but hopefully that doesn't happen well but and uh, it's, it's interesting you mention that because in mm-hmm. the games he played against 
Toronto this year. Like you say, like he Embiid's going to get his. You know, he's the kind of guy who you can't stop. You can only hope to contain, right? And for the Absolutely. most part, the Raptors have done that this year. I don't know if Embiid has adjusted his game to the Raptors because I think probably, like you say, the best thing he could do is pass the ball to some of his teammates. In the games he's played, he's gotten his points and his rebounds. He hasn't dominated, but what he hasn't done either is really pass the ball. So he's he's averaging almost uh, five five assists a game this year. He's sitting at uh, well, sorry, closer to four. He's sitting at four point two on the year. But I mean, in the games against the Raptors, I think he's averaged about two. So he's I think he still thinks he sees our size. I'm I'm thinking, and he thinks he can just power his way to the basket. But the Raptors. I think they're going to have to double-team Embiid because I don't think there's any one player on the roster who can stop him. But the Raptors, what they have is is length and athleticism. And Embiid's the kind of guy who's going to power through bigger guys. And he's got enough speed, too, to get past those guys. He's going to have trouble getting past, you know, two Raptors who can who can get their, get their hands up and defend him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see who starts guarding him, like whether it's Siakam, whether Barnes is helping out a little bit. Obviously, it'll be a a team effort in, in defending this guy, right? But I think one of the main defenders is probably going to be Precious, who I can't say for sure, but will most likely be brought off the bench. Like, I'm, I'm assuming the Raptors would start their their small ball lineup because they've had the most success with that, just because it's it has proven to be extremely successful for them this year. So, I mean, is Siakam going to get a lot of the defensive coverage on him? Like I said, he's probably going to get help. But it'll be interesting to see how quickly they bring Precious off the bench. I guess the first few minutes will kind of kind of show us how quickly we're going to need Precious to to step in here and help us. Yeah, but I like, think. Sorry, sorry man, I was just going to say there. I think I think they could even start Precious even in short spurts. Nick Nurse is going to have to find a, a matchup that works. And again, just because they've had success against him in the regular season with certain matchups doesn't mean that that's going to work necessarily here in the playoffs because the playoffs are a completely different animal too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, let's not forget, like, these are Embiid's prime years too, right? So I think Philadelphia, if they want to win, like, they need to win now to a certain degree. Like, a couple years go by, like, Embiid's going to be 30, getting over 30. And it, it, the, the time is now for this guy in, in Philadelphia to perform and, and make some noise in the playoffs. So, yeah. well, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, that, that definitely can't be a forgotten aspect, that he's playing his best basketball of his whole career, and it would just be a shame if they can't do any damage in the playoffs. Yeah. Coming from a Philadelphia perspective, obviously, I'd be sure. uh, I'd, I'd sure. welcome an underperformance from Embiid. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. And, I mean, I'm not going to shed a tear if he goes out in the first round of the playoffs, but you're right, you know, Embiid's 27. He This is actually the first year that he's played the majority of the games. He played 68 games this year. That's the most in his career. Uh, you know, we may remember he missed the first two years of his career due to injury. So this isn't a guy that typically stays healthy. So if he has a season like this, you need to take advantage of it because the clock is ticking on him. Another player that, you know, I think the clock is is ticking a little bit faster for, another key matchup for the Raptors, that's going to be James Harden. Yeah, for sure. And like when I look at Harden and how his his trend of a um, of his superstar ability is 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 going right now, like there there is a massive massive amount of pressure on this guy right now. Like he needs to score probably close to thirty points a game if Philadelphia wants a chance to to win this series series against the Raptors. Like he needs to have games of twenty seven, twenty eight, and so on. Because on the season. 
I mean, he's only played 21 games with Philly, but he's averaging 21 points a game and shooting 40%. So obviously you see the trend is there that he's decreasing. He has to share the ball, obviously, with Embiid. But coming from Brooklyn where he had to share it with Durant, it can't be that much different. But you see the decline there. And, I mean, if Harden struggles and Philly loses the series, look out. Like, Philly might not recover from this, and it could be absolutely detrimental to this franchise. Yeah, it could definitely hurt. Harden, Harden, you mentioned his decline. I mean, he's been going downhill since last year. I mean, last year uh, for total, I mean, he shot 24.6 points on the year between Houston and, and Brooklyn. He only played eight games with Houston, and then he, you know, made his way over to Brooklyn. But it's the same story this year, and you're right. He averaged 21 points with, with Philly. Another thing that can't be understated here I mean he's still learning how to play with Joel Embiid and the rest of the Sixers it's just it's not just how he functions with Embiid although you know their pick and roll game is going to be key for the series I think if they have any you know dominant advantage that's going to be it right there they've got other traits that work for them as well Um, we mentioned it last week briefly but one of the things I think that also is not on Harden's side is the referees aren't giving them the same whistle this year they have in the past like this is a guy This is a guy who's averaged upwards of 10 and 11 free throws uh, in the past in his career, like over 10 free throws a game attempted. You know, he's averaging, with Philly, he's averaging almost nine, but really he's, he's just over eight on the year, which is a big drop for him. Now, Embiid is also going to pick up that slack. I mean, he's a guy who, him and Harden, are uh, first and third, respectively, in and, or sorry, made and uh, attempted free throws on the year. So that's going to be a big part of the game for Philly. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of the reason why Harden's free throw numbers are down, too, is just that that rule change, right? He can't fall into the player and get fouled and go to the line. And I think that was a big aspect of his game. Obviously, it's a little bit of a, yeah, I think obviously it's a little bit of a sneaky aspect. And I'm not a big fan of of doing that, right? Because you're just, you're not even playing to score. Like, you're just playing to fall into the guy and get fouled and go to the line. So I'm, I'm happy they made that rule adjustment for sure. But maybe that's just a big part of the reason why his points are down too, right? Like if he's not yep. going to the line as much and say it's five less trips, that's the 10-point difference that we're looking at, right? Even with Harden's arrival in, in Philadelphia, someone who seemed to kind of struggle to to find their, their role and perform is Tobias Harris. Like he hasn't looked like the same player man at all. Like he's obviously had a couple good games, and he's been quoted as saying, He's about winning and not necessarily point production, which is a fair statement because Philadelphia did play fairly well down the stretch. They finished six and four, so they were still winning the majority of his games. But like when I looked at some of the game logs, the last couple games especially, like two of the three last games, he went three for ten for six points, and he went three for eight for eight points. Now, the first game there, he was only playing about 24 minutes, but that's still a poor performance. But that second game, he played a full 35 minutes. So, like, if these guys are going to be successful again, they need Tobias Harris back up to 17, 18 points per game. Maybe not quite that high with, with Harden in town, but maybe around the 14 to 15 points per game and, and shooting his, his typical close to 50% from the field. Yeah, he's definitely had to defer more since Harden got to town, but, like, and I, I like Tobias Harris. Like he's a he's a good player. He's an efficient player. But I mean, we mentioned Toronto's not necessarily going to have a one-on-one answer for an, a Joel Embiid or you know maybe even a James Harden. But 
I think when it comes to Tobias Harris, if, if, you know, Philly's looking for other options, if the Raptors have figured out how to cover Embiid and Harden, I mean, Tobias Harris doesn't scare me. We got guys who can defend him. Whether you put a Precious out there, a Scotty or Pascal, like I mentioned, Toronto's length. In, in today's positionless basketball, these are all guys who can cover, who can cover, uh, Harris and, and, Harden and like they can switch easy like they all they all buy into the defensive philosophy and it's worked for them that's that's Toronto's identity for sure and I like that they have so many different options and weapons that they can throw at those two main guys that you mentioned right so if one's not panning out for whatever reason like we have other options it's not like we're we're stuck in the mud if it doesn't work out yeah now just before we keep going here I don't think we can we can go too much further we're mentioning you know the capability of of Toronto's players, it is worth mentioning, you know, Toronto isn't necessarily coming into this matchup at full health. I mean, Fred Van Vliet's had uh, a knee injury for the the better part of, you know, I'd say probably close to a month. It's been dogging him. He's sat a few games. You know, I've read that just because he's getting rest now, like that doesn't necessarily help the knee thing. It might be something he has to work on in the offseason. And as good as Toronto is, they don't have – a ton of, of point guard depth. So you have, you have Armani Brooks who stepped up a little bit and, and Malachi Flynn who was our first round pick the year we won the title actually. But like none of those guys or neither of those guys, I should say, are necessarily going to be able to spell Fred for long amounts of time. So he's going to have to play heavy minutes and you just hope in a series like this where Philly will adjust to Toronto as well. He doesn't get banged up having to play those minutes and, and with Philly, you know, learning how to play him as things go on. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I remember seeing something like that as well. Like he he tried to rest the knee, but it wasn't something that was basically helping his his knee heal. It, I think you're right there, Kev, for sure that he he is going to have to play through it. Hopefully, the extra rest did a little bit of help for him. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. But um, I think it'll be he'll still have a favorable matchup if he does match up directly with Tyrese Maxey. Um, just simply because Tyrese Maxey isn't known as a defensive point guard. But I don't want to take away from from Tyrese Maxey's season because people kind of forget about this guy when you talk about Philly, right? Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, Embiid and Harden comes to mind, and Tobias Harris has been around for for a few years being kind of that third option for them uh, when Simmons was in town and and when he was playing for them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, like, Tyrese Maxey, he had a breakout year. Like, he really emerged this year. 17.5 points per game, shooting 49%, which is a great percentage for a point guard. You don't see that too often, which is, which is great. Um, a few dimes a game, few rebounds. Um, the defense isn't really there. So I think Fred can definitely feast when, when he is matched up with him. But another stat that kind of stuck out to me for, for Tyrese Maxey was his low turnovers. He only averages 1.2 turnovers a game for a point guard. Now, obviously, Harden is, is controlling a lot of the ball now, and, and Embiid's getting a lot of the touches, so his turnovers won't be like a typical point guard, but it seems like he's really great with the ball. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, even that, I mean, that even counts to before Harden came to town. So you're right, for a point guard, that's, that's really notable. And I mean, this is a guy, Maxi, who, you know, Philly came into the year not knowing whether or not they would have Ben Simmons and really just having to work with what they had. Turns out they weren't going to get Simmons, and he obviously uh, eventually got traded but uh, in the James Harden deal, actually. But uh, Maxie's the guy that stepped up for them huge, like you say, like 17.5 points a game. You know, he's a good passer, 4.3 assists. You know, he gets, he gets the occasional rebound. 
he's, he's attempting over four threes a game. So he's playing Philly's game and yep. he's, you know, he gets the odd free throw there and he's, he's efficient. He's shooting four eighty five on the year for the, or I should say for the season. So he's a, he's a complete player and he's, he's been a huge plus for them. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I know me and you, when we think about Philadelphia, we don't forget about Tyrese Maxey because he was uh, in a couple trades this year for our fantasy league. So we know <laughs> we're, we're, we're well aware of what he can do. That's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Another interesting factor though with the, with the Philly, with the Philly team is, is our old friend Danny Green. Yeah. I mean, like he's had a pretty poor season, but it should be interesting to see if he shows up playing the Raptors, right? He's obviously a, a veteran who knows what it takes in the in the playoffs. But when you look at his stats too, he's only averaging five points per game. So like that's less than two threes a game, and that's his whole game is shooting threes. Yeah. So the fact that he's not even getting two threes a game is is absurd if you ask me. But I wouldn't be surprised if he if he steps it up against the Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a guy who's getting up there in years too, but he's a proven winner. Like you mentioned, he was, he was our old friend. He was on the 2019 championship team. He got his ring last week. You know, he, he, pretty admirable, I thought. He, he decided to wait until, you know, he could be back in Toronto with the stadium at full capacity to receive his ring and kind of yeah, have that moment that. with the fans. That was really nice. But this is a guy who won before. He won in 2020 with the Lakers. He has a ring from the Spurs. This is a guy that knows how to win, but, Philly is starting him as much as he is coming off the bench. At this point in his career, he's a bench guy, but yeah. I think the lack of depth on Philly kind of created from the James Harden trade is a direct result of that. Yeah, for sure, and I think you're absolutely right there. Um, but, yeah, like he, he could be a difference maker. Like if this guy gets up to 10 points a game, he's making three threes a game, he can definitely make some clutch shots. It, it could be a game changer for Philly, but we'll see how that all pans out. Yeah, and, and Toronto's definitely got the depth on their bench that, you know, Philly doesn't have. Guys, guys, whether they – the great thing about Toronto, again, they have a system. I mentioned last week they're kind of the San Antonio Spurs of yesteryear, but in the Eastern Conference. you got guys that come up from the Raptors 905. That's the G League affiliate. You know, guys like Delano Banton, who, you know, when he plays, he plays hard. Uh, he gets he gets quality minutes when he, when he does. Uh, Svi Mihailuk who we signed in the offseason uh, as a free agent from Detroit. He's come over. Again, I'm not a big Ken Birch guy, but, you know, he plays his role. You know, I mentioned Malachi Flynn earlier, Utah Watanabe. These guys, these guys play into the system, and that's exactly what you want for guys uh, who are coming off the bench. And, again, they can defend Philly's, Philly's bench because, really, I mentioned Danny Green. Matisse Thibel, who's a key, I think one of the best defenders in the league, He's yeah. not playing games three and four in Toronto because he's not vaccinated. I mentioned last week the federal government's uh, vaccine mandate on uh, entering the country. So, you know, he's he's going to have to do his damage in Philly. Without him, they have to rely on Shake Milton, who, honestly, I liked coming into the year. But he's he's not proven to be the same guy he was a couple of years ago when he was putting up quality numbers. You got guys like Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed and DeAndre Jordan, who's at the bitter end of his career he's I mean how he keeps getting signed honestly at this point I don't know and then another guy Paul Millsap you know a quality veteran but a guy who's again at the end of his rope when it comes to the bench I mean that could be where Toronto makes its biggest impact yeah and I think you're right there for sure like especially just with Precious coming off the bench I mean you might be right they might still start him in spurts it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle that but he's been such a big asset off the bench this year just playing at 110 percent every game 
He's obviously rebounding the, the ball extremely well. And he's definitely added the three point shot to his game. Like you, now you see him jacking up about six, seven shots a game that are from the three point line. Sometimes I think he might get a little trigger happy from the, from the art there, but he's, he's definitely added that aspect to his game and he's just been such an asset to have off the bench. But it'll be interesting to see if he does start or if he does come off the bench. But either way, I think he's arguably the best player off the bench for, for either squad at this point. Yeah, I think so. And he's improving his game as the year's gone on, which is what you like to see. For sure, for sure. But let's go back to the to the Raptors starting five here for a second. I mean, it's it's Scotty Barnes' first playoff appearance. It seems like the kid doesn't play with too many nerves on the floor. But as we mentioned, playoffs are, are a different beast. So it should be interesting to see if he performs. Like, I, I think he could be the difference maker for the Raptors. Like, if he kind of shies away and doesn't shoot great from the field, it could definitely hurt us, obviously. But if this kid shows up and plays like he has in the regular season – Chucks up 15 points per game. I think that could be the difference maker that gives Raptors the uh, the icing on the cake here. Yeah, he's definitely got the maturity to make some noise. It'll be interesting to see how he can handle the playoffs. I don't think he's going to choke. One thing I've noticed with uh, Scotty when, you know, the team is healthy for most of the year, he's kind of the fifth option, which is just, you know, a result of the Raptors having so many other quality players to uh to pass the ball to it, yeah. that kind of that kind of waned a little bit as the year went on like you saw him start to get involved more especially after Fred got hurt and he was manning the point they kind of incorporated him more even when Fred came back so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see and I mean we got other options as well I mentioned you know uh we have we have five quality guys I mean Gary Trent Jr. we haven't really touched on here he's got you know a bit of playoff experience with Portland this isn't a guy that'll be new to the playoffs but I mean, can he can he keep up what he was doing at points this year in the playoffs? Yeah, you you sure hope so. I mean, he was struggling with his shot a little bit down the stretch too. Like you you saw some games where he was shooting under thirty percent and so on, and just kind of jacking up every three ball possibly that he could. Um, so it should be interesting to see how he performs as well. He could be another difference maker. Like if he provides us with a couple games of over twenty points, that could that could be huge. I mean, we haven't even touched on. Arguably the Raptors' best player here. I mean, Pascal Siakam is having a career season. We we mentioned him briefly, but I mean, this this is the guy that could be the absolute X factor for us. I mean, he's got the athleticism to to work his way around Embiid. He's not going to rebound Embiid. He's going to have to score and and he's going to have to work for it. But I mean, he's coming in as hot as anybody. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like he's hungry to really prove himself after not getting the nod for the for the All Star game this year which is somewhat understandable because he did miss some significant time. Like, I think if he played the whole regular season leading up to the the All-Star game, I think he would have got the nod. Um, but it looks like he's out to prove himself for sure, and I think he deserves All-NBA. And, like, I, I don't think he's going to be the same player that we saw a couple years ago in the playoffs. Like, obviously he played well, but, like, let's not forget that Siakam and, and Freddie are, are champions. Like they they know what it takes to to win games now. They know the grind. They understand it, and I don't think they're going to show up a little bit shaky like they did a couple years ago. I think we're going to see completely different players as long as health isn't a factor. Agreed. The championship DNA is definitely there. It didn't leave when Kyle did. You know, Pascal and Fred are, are carrying it forward, and they're they're carrying it proudly for sure. Yeah. So I think I think we've covered the matchups in in pretty good detail here, Dan. Are you ready to talk about predictions for the series? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Philadelphia coming in is the favorite on paper with the betting odds and so on. 
Um, but obviously watching the Raptors a little bit closer and knowing their potential and knowing how they're coming into the playoffs hot here. I, I, I like, I like the Raptors. I, I think they have a great chance to win. I don't think they're going to sweep by any means or win in five games. But if I had to put a prediction to it, I'm, I'm going Raps in seven. Raps in seven. I like that. I, I was going to actually say Raps in six. Okay. So, I mean, I think, I think there's going to be issues. I'm, again, I hate to keep harping on the refs, but there will be some whistles where you really question what's happened there. Embiid's going to get his. He can steal a game or two, absolutely. Uh, Harden could do the same. Um, it's going to be a battle. I, I don't know if I can, if my heart can handle another seven game series with Philly. I'd like to see it end in six here. And I think the Raps have what it takes to, to get it done in that time. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if Philly could take it. But if Philly wins in, you know, four or five, I would be very surprised. Yeah, me too. I mean, it should be a good series no matter what. I mean, both teams have talent on their starting rosters. They have a bunch of, a couple all stars on each team, arguably. I know Siakam didn't make it this year, but. Just how he's improved his game down the stretch. Like I would consider him 100% all-star quality. So hope our, hope our boy is the best here in the first round. Like I said, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Again, first game is uh, this Saturday, April 16th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I'm um, definitely going to get some cold ones ready for that game. I'm sure, I'm sure the same for you, Kev. Oh yeah. Easter weekend. Oh, that's true. It should be a great weekend. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, we'll definitely get another episode up uh, probably after the first couple games. We'll do some analysis of maybe the first two games in uh, in Philly. Um, but thanks again for listening. Don't forget to uh, to subscribe or follow our podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Again, it's just at Ethos Raptors. And make sure you follow us on Twitter as well, Ethos Raptors. Like and comment on our post so we can interact with you guys. Absolutely. First game this Saturday in Philly. We'll talk to you after that.